Zach Gallen throws his first career shutout in a one nothing win against the Chicago Cubs. We're going to be doing a live post-game show today, so Wes and I will be talking about perhaps one of the biggest wins of the season today. So, how are you doing today, Wes? I'm I'm great. I'm actually flabbergasted that they uh, held on to shut out the Cubs. Like, that's... Uh... The D-backs just did what we said they needed to do. Like, what else is there more to say? They uh, series win is in play. Uh, Gallon's back in the Cy Young race. I mean, those are the two. The two. I mean, the two things that needed to happen: Gallon individually and Diamondbacks as a team. They went out and did, which is like 100% what you want to see as a Diamondbacks fan. Yeah. And the game against the Chicago Cubs, obviously catching up to them in this series, was probably an unrealistic ask. But they've already cut the. They've already. I guess you can say they've cut Chicago's lead in half for the second wild card spot. So because they've done that, they can win this series and the series at Chase Field next week. I think uh, the second wild card is in play for the D-backs at the end of the year. Although, I, based on how the matchups may go, they might be better off as a six seed than a five seed. Yeah, I was looking at that uh, earlier today, and it seems like the best case scenario for them would, would be to be the uh, the fifth the, the sixth yeah, the sixth okay, seed so, would play so, whoever wins the NL Central. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. The sixth seed is a much better outcome for them. Um you don't want to you don't want to face the Braves. Why? They were two Miguel McCastro meltdowns away from five and one. You sure really? the Braves want to see the D backs? Yeah, I, yeah, I mean what's the alternative? But we play the Phillies, you know, yeah, or the, I feel the like the Phillies us? have a better read. I feel like the Phillies are a much tougher matchup in the first round. I mean, if the D-backs get to the NLDS, yeah. they're playing with house money. They're not playing with any pressure. The Braves are, have all the pressure in that series. Oh, yeah, that, that, that's true. I mean, the, the big thing that I, I – I mean, obviously, like, you're not going to face the, the team that won the divisions, how the wild card works. Like, your wild card's not going to face the divisional leader from the same division. If, if I they win the sixth seed, the they're not going to face the Dodgers because we're going. We're assuming at this point that the uh, Braves will take home field in National League playoffs. The Dodgers just lost Mookie Betts to an injury last night. Yeah, he was on crutches, so he, we're talking probably a weeks long injury. Although I don't think it'll affect, depending on what the severity of the injury is, uh, it may not knock him out for the postseason. Okay. I actually tweeted about that this morning. Uh, Betts, uh, I guess the X-ray was negative. He is probably gonna. He probably bruised his foot pretty badly if he was on. Crutches. I think it was his shin. I could be wrong. Uh, either way, uh, there's gonna be a bad bruise there. Um, I would think that he's gonna take the, you know, at least like gonna take a few days off. Uh, the Dodgers have been really hit hard by just injuries and effectiveness. Lance Lynn it was popping up all kinds of home runs. Uh, it was yesterday. Can't say that's surprising uh, because. Uh... Uh, Lance Lynn was one of the, like the weakest trade acquisitions of the deadline, but like up until now has proven to be one of the better ones. So I think it's just like regression to the mean with that. And uh, so, yeah, the Dodgers are definitely uh, a lot more vulnerable, even though the Dodgers are probably going to win a hundred games this year. This is probably the most vulnerable they've been since 2018. If you talk about the, possibility of a postseason matchup of course the Dodgers won the season series and the last five games of it too so I'm not confident I mean, D-backs can go into Dodger Stadium and take a game which is all they would need to do to win a division series matchup against the Dodgers although if they're the sixth seed obviously they're not seeing the Dodgers until the NLCS yeah uh, I mean the Dodgers they're definitely not the team that they were you know just like the last four years, like I said, 20, 2018, 2019, it's much more comparable to that than their championship teams or, you know, World Series pairing teams. Uh, I, you know, it's really, if you have to pick between the Braves, the Phillies, and the Dodgers, in that context, actually, I agree with you. I'd rather face the Braves than the Dodgers or the Phillies. Um, the Phillies are a dangerous team in the playoffs, as we saw last year. Yeah, and that they're pretty much running it back. And if not for the fact that the Braves are just steam steamrolled everyone in the month of June and July, I think that division race would be more competitive. Yeah, they just, yeah, they just I mean, they got off to a hot start, and they did not, they've not really let up up until this last month. Yeah, they, so. took up, they basically went on an insane winning streak from the middle of May to the middle of July. They've been a little bit more vulnerable in the second half. So let's, let's talk about uh, today's game. Yeah. Offense uh, was shut down until what, the 
fifth inning, the sixth inning? No, they didn't score a run until the eighth inning. No, I meant, I meant they were no hit until like the fifth or sixth inning. Basically. Yeah, they were no hit, no hits until the two outs in the sixth inning. Of course, uh, Corbin Carroll had a big game, a walk, and two singles, including the go-ahead single in the eighth inning that scored the only run of the game between the two teams. And not yeah, three stolen bases on top of that. He's moved up to 45 stolen bases on the year. There's a good possibility at this point that he steals 50 stolen bases. The only other real, you know, I mean, Alec Thomas uh, had a hit. Guriel had a hit. That was it. Uh, Lawler, who had his uh, uh, first hit of his career last night, went hitless and struck out twice, which, you know, you don't want to. Don't want to see that, but you know, then again, he is he is a rookie in a uh, very competitive race right now, so it means didn't expect him to hit the ground running necessarily. Um, Tommy Pham yesterday, two home runs. That's uh, you like to see that. I mean, although he did uh, go 0 for four with four strikeouts today, and I mean, that's yeah, just but how baseball goes. Today. Yeah, one, yeah exactly. one day you're the hero, the next day the game humbles you badly. That's just how it is. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, four strikeouts as the most of any, any of the Diamondbacks today. So he had a bad game after having a great game yesterday. So I mean, he's still contributing. I mean, the fact that we're, in, we're talking about the potential for a, you know, a series win or even a sweep right now, like that's, uh, you really can't, the Diamondbacks can't be in a better position as far as like, you know, since we last talked. So going back to the Corbin Carroll thing, after he got his second stolen base of the game, I put out a poll on Twitter. Which feat was going to be more realistic for Carroll this season at 24 homers and now 45 stolen bases with 21 games to go? More likely to get 30 home runs or 50 stolen bases? And it, out of 51 votes, it appears that we got uh, 48 votes for 50 stolen bases. 48 out of 51 picked 50 stolen bases as the uh, more realistic feat for Carroll this season. Yeah, I, I, that's what I voted for personally. I, I responded, why not both? Because I do, I do think that it is within reach. It's like literally like this a hot week and he, uh, if he just has a hot stretch on the way the rest of the season, like he can easily reach both of those. I mean, obviously he's only five away from 50 stolen bases. He can get that in two games. Yeah. Two really good games. So, yeah, that's, I mean, he plays like he did today. Uh, yeah, he's got that in the bag. Uh don't know if he'll reach that 30 home run mark. It's not, it's not as realistic, but he has stayed pretty hot over the last few weeks of just like in terms of home run power. So, yeah, we're going to find out if there's ever been a 25-50 season in MLB history, and I'll be surprised if there is one for a rookie. Well, aside from Acuna? <laughs> no, from a rookie. Oh, from a rookie, yeah. I know, I mean, yeah, I know no. just in terms of like he did that earlier this year, but in terms of rookies, I don't – think that there is all right so going back to stat head now we'll remove the rookie filter so if carol once carol gets to his 50th stolen base he'll be the first and hit his 25th homer which seem somewhat likely he'll be the uh first rookie to do it and the 13th player in mlb history to have a 25 50 stolen base 25 homer 50 stolen base season and there's some pretty obvious names in there if you look at it that's the first one in fact, uh, there are – actually, it's happened 13 times. There are one, two, three, four players who have done this twice. So, thir- uh, 12 such seasons so far. Carroll will be the 13th player with a 25-50 season. And factoring in that uh, four of those 12 are repeats, you have – Cesar Sedanio was the first to do it. The first to do it. Correct myself. And then he did it. Uh, he was the first player to do it. No, he and Joe Morgan did it the same season. Oh yeah, they they did both did it in uh, seventy three. Joe Martin Joe Morgan was the first to do it. Oh well, no, actually, so did it twi- Daniel followed the next year and did it. Basically, Joe Morgan. Way. Joe Morgan did Joe it again. Joe Morgan in repeated in seventy six. Did Morgan win the MVP in uh, nineteen seventy six? I hope he did because he led the le- league in uh, on base percentage and slugging. I don't know. Yeah, I think that might have been. Yeah, Joe Morgan. Yeah, 76. He was the NL MVP. What? Baseball writers in the 70s actually getting it right? I'm flabbergasted. Well, I mean, you're talking about the fact the guy led the league in basically almost every yeah. offensive category, rate category. I mean, he had 320 and had an OPS over 1,000. I mean, uh, OPS over 1,000 yeah. in a single season is yeah. almost like a guaranteed MVP finish. 
And then there's some other really obvious names on there. Uh, Ricky Henderson did it twice. Barry did it twice. Um, Barry didn't do it twice. Oh, no. Eric Davis did it twice. Eric Davis did it twice. We talk about Eric Davis as the ultimate what if. Sometimes. Yeah, it's unfortunate. He's, uh, I don't know if it's necessarily the best comp, but just in terms of like, you know, an outfielder who with a lot of potential, who's injured a lot, AJ Pollock. We're talking about Diamondbacks. AJ Pollock's best season was 20 homers, 39 steals. Was it even a full season, though? Yeah, I don't think he made the All-Star more than 140 team. games. Yeah, he did. Talking 2015. Hmm. It was the only only year that Pollock had one a healthy full year. season, one healthy year at his peak. Yeah, his walk year, too. No, it wasn't. Wasn't that wasn't his walk year? Yeah, Pollock in 2015 played 157 games. Nearly had 200 hits. Hit 315 for the season. And with an OPS plus of 130. Oh, yeah, 2018 was his walk year. And then, of course, we factor in the... We also throw in the fact he won a gold glove. He the won a gold glove in center re- field. And... Nine base running runs. So yeah, Paul got no a seven has, more season that year. Uh, up until Acuna this year, uh, Acuna was the fastest player to do it. Uh, he did it like for June. Um, Hanley Ramirez in, in 2007. So it's yeah. not something that's like, I mean, it's good company for, for Corbin, especially as a rookie. Yeah, I mean, you look at it this way. Corbin Carroll's going to do some pretty impressive feats. He's only His next extra base hit will make him the first rookie. They have a 60 extra base hit season since 2019 when Pete Alonso had 82 with for the Mets, of course. Not high to get – he had 53 homers that season. That's just one skill. Uh, it, Pete Alonso will be an interesting contract to watch. Uh, He's basically what, what clean, the Mets do with him. A clean Mark McGuire? That's exactly the comp I would throw out for Pete Alonso because it's basically like that's his skill set is he hits home runs, decent enough walking rate, but he's not going to give you much more than His that. His on-base percentage um, boosts by the fact that teams are trying to crowd him inside. He gets hit a lot. And he stands on yeah. top of home plate, so he gets hit a lot. Actually, no, Alonso doesn't sit on top of home plate. He gets the same pitching treatment as Walker, although Walker seems to not get hit by pitches. I think it's 17. Like, Alonso leads, le- leads baseball and hit by pitches, I think. Of course, Carroll also gets hit a lot, too. Yeah, 17 leads the league. That is uh, significantly in play. But that's the thing, like, this... I mean, that's your company is a power hitting first baseman. Yeah. Like, it's just like one of those things. Like, it's going to be very interesting to watch Corbin's career evolve and see what kind of player he turns into. He's going to stick strictly to the the power speed guy. Is he going to trade some of that uh that speed for power? Like, what is it like? How I'm curious to see how he'll develop in the future. I mean, he's really like. I mean, it's already like good company as a rookie right now. I think in Carroll's case, it's just keep doing your thing. Yeah. I, I let you know he gave some really great advice to Jordan Lawler, which was be yourself. Yeah, just that's what Lawler's going to do in the big leagues. It's just just do your thing. Yeah. Um, like so Lawler's probably uh, going to rely more on his speed early in his career, but I think when he gets into his mid twenties, fills out more uh, more muscle. I think you're going to see him hit for more power. Same thing with Carroll, but I don't think Carroll's necessarily a guy that needs to hit thirty home runs every year, although he can do it. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, – I don't see Corbin necessarily topping out with much more than 30 home runs. I think that, like, I, I mean, a peak – based on his development so far, I would think that he has maybe a 40 home run season in him at the most. And that's like no, a year where hits, everything is going right for him. I think in a year he hits 40 home runs, he's going to hit like 260. Mm, yeah, I don't think that's necessarily yeah. the best use of his skills. Yeah, that's that the thing. It's, it's I think not, with Carroll, the priority is to get on base as much as possible. Yeah, and wreak havoc. That's that's his skill set. Uh, get on base, steal bases, you know, turn a single into double, double into triple. Or turn really a single like into a triple when the catcher can't throw to second base like the Cubs haven't been doing all series. Yeah, that, that is really like it's, it's interesting. It's, uh, it's, pre- it's pretty comical how bad these throws are coming in the second are. And, of course, they don't have a shortstop who can pick it like Jordan Lawler is doing in this series. I know Moreno had some of his – Weaker throws of the season t- today, but Jordan Lawler is a magician with the looks like a magician with the glove. That yeah, first caught stealing he got to help Moreno was that looked like a that looked like a Gold Glove shortstop handling that ball. Yeah, no, he's he's impressed. I was going to ask you the next question, which was uh, 
What are your impressions so far of Jordan Waller in these two games? Yeah, I was going to say, you're not going to see much of what Jordan Law, what the kind of impact you might see from Jordan Lawler, and you'll want to check that video out that published earlier today. But uh, in the case of Jordan Lawler, uh, we're not going to see the offense early on because he's going to have to adjust to big league pitching because it's a yeah. much different environment in Chicago with the wind blowing in than it is with uh, Reno where you have exactly. the ball's not breaking. You got the wind's blowing out. Especially if you hit a ball yeah. to the right center field. I mean, Reno's basically Coors Field Jr. Coors Jr. Yeah, very much. Less. Same thing with Amarillo. And it's a... Amarillo very much reminded me of of Chase with the roof open pre humidor. Yeah. So basically that's, Mart- that's that's the comp I'll give him. Hmm. So yeah. Uh so he's kind of, he's adjusting to the you um adjusting to the breaking pitches he's seeing in the major leagues and he's been had by some breaking balls but I don't think necessarily yeah. he's chasing these things out of the zone these are just quality pitcher pitches right at the edge of the strike yeah. zone that he's whiffing at so it's like plate discipline plate pitch recognition is pretty solid for his age I I'm not too worried long term about the bat even if it even if this year he kind of puts up mediocre numbers. I mean, yeah, I really um, – so far, I've been, I mean, the biggest thing to me is that his defense looks way better than uh, what I thought it would be. Yeah, he's going to be a smooth defender, although his one weakness defensively is his, he has an okay arm at shortstop. If I were to give it a – if I were to give his arm a grade just on arm strength alone, that's a 45. But factoring release and ability to make – release and being able to get off off-platform throws with relative ease, I'd probably give that arm uh, – grade of 50 plus it's like Lawler's not gonna throw if you were to compare the shortstops obviously Lawler's arm is not as strong as Perdomo's but the release is so much quicker that they're almost comparable like Perdomo has a 60 arm strength but the the slow Perdomo has a pretty slow release for a shortstop so it kind of plays down whereas Lawler has a very quick release at shortstop so it plays up half a grade in my opinion Yeah, the, the difference is pretty much a wash between the two yeah, and, and for the most part, Perdomo will make the plays he can. Perdomo will make the plays that he can get to, but he doesn't necessarily have great range, especially laterally. He's consistently been negative in the outs above average for moving to his left and right. Although he's very good at coming in, that's always been his specialty. So that's why they've been moving him to third base recently, yeah. because I feel like that's uh, they put Lawler in the lineup. I think and you can keep him and Perdomo in the lineup. I think that's your best infield defense that you can come up with. And then they're obviously taking out Lawler. In the ninth inning, Rivera's getting in at third base because Rivera's a the drop off between the upgrade for, at third base from Perdomo to Rivera is bigger than the upgrade. Uh, is uh, Rivera going from Perdomo to Rivera at third base is an upgrade because Rivera has a plus arm at third. Yes, Rivera Rivera is a kind of like almost an underrated defender at third. Like I, I've been consistently impressed with this is his defense at third, like this since we've acquired him. Like I you have no idea why the Royals were like, Oh, here you can have him for Luke oh. Weaver. Like there's a reason why Perdon- uh Rivera hasn't quite stuck with the D backs either, although they haven't given up on him yet. Why well, he's been up and down, this is his last option here, I believe. But yeah. he's a he's a solid third baseman that can pick it, although the bat is somewhat questionable. Yeah. To me, but if he the thing is, is if he could hit left-handed pitching, he's going to have a spot on the roster, long term. I mean, my my point is the Royals had no business giving away a guy like Emmanuel Rivera. Yeah, like I would agree. No business giving. I mean, they have like two good players. Okay, like you had three. You gave one of them away for one of our like you know pitching cast off. This was baffling to me at the time. Still is baffling, even in factoring that. Like, okay, so he may not stick with the roster what's luke weaver doing these days yeah you look at the problem with rivera rivera doesn't offer a lot of pop and he's an okay hitter yeah that's the real knock on him um yeah he's not hit for as much power as i'd hope there was a brief flash of it last year but it kind of didn't stick the note the d-backs last year had an iso of one 190 197 so that's a 424 slugging percentage minus a 227 batting average so hoping to see more pop out of him, but it, it didn't quite materialize. Plus, uh, I don't think he necessarily has great. I don't think he has necessarily pl- big platoon splits for his career. I mean, one of the things that with Rivera is like I, I don't think he's ever fully developed 
as a like I mean I don't I don't see him okay, reaching his full potential with this team just because he's never going to get the the everyday at bats. No, that's the real thing that it comes down to. He's got um, a career. He's got a career slash of two seventy five batting average, three thirty one on base, and four seventeen slugging percentage against lefties, which is barely enough. You certainly want a little <laughs> bit more thump when you have that kind of hitter. Yeah, like you want a guy that can do damage like Longoria has done when he was health healthy in the first half of the season. That's why they brought in Longo. On tomorrow's game, we're going to see yeah. Merrill Kelly going up against uh, fellow Cy Young uh, hopeful, you know, like Gallon, uh, Justin Steele. Yeah, I would say Steele at this point is the front runner, but now Gallon's re-entered the race. It's uh, it's going to be a pretty tight race, I think. There's no, there's no, uh, no guy running away with it. So these last three to four starts for each pitcher is going to matter quite a bit. Yes. Of course, uh, I mean, it's, it, it also it's, all it takes is if Justin Steele has you know a bad start tomorrow two or and three a bad, bad start, starts, uh, you know, at Chase Field, it, that's Gallon. I mean, he's basically in the same place that Gallon is at that point. Like, uh, it very much brings it back down to earth. I know uh, Spencer Strider has not really taken yeah, we'll much up, more we'll of a lead with it. We'll pull up these guys head. Steele has not really moved anywhere, but he, I mean. Yeah. Stat head is I, worth I, the eight dollars. Yeah, the eight dollars that we put into that. Although I wish I, although I kind of haven't figured out how to get this thing into the overlay, so we're not going to use it on screen. But we're going to compare Zach Gallen. Obviously, the numbers won't be accurate because they didn't add nine shutout innings. They're not going to add nine shutout innings till tomorrow. And obviously, uh, I'm not necessarily sure you want to use WAR as a metric for the Cy Young Award. Yeah, you don't. I would prefer wah or wins above average. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think this is the tomorrow's game is probably gonna be the toughest of this series for the the Diamondbacks. Um, although the fact that we were almost shut out too is kind of says a lot about this team in, in general. So yeah, I, if you look at the uh, Baseball Reference WAR, Justin Steele has the highest WAR and the best ERA. So Steele has 4.1 B-War, Gallon 3.7, although uh, Gallon's B-War is probably going to go up by p- half a win today. Yeah, I would think so. Gallon has more innings than Steele and Strider. Gallon's now at 187 and two-thirds innings. And there, and I think there's I think there's a – I think there that he's wor- it's worth a boost to get, uh, when he gets over, if he gets over 200 innings. And he's only two starts away – two good starts from that. But realistically, so, yeah, three I mean- starts. Uh, he should. There's. I really think he'll hit that 200 inning mark. It'd be very surprising to me if he didn't. I no, mean, he needs like 12 it, and a third. That's. He's. He'll. He'll very. He'll. I, I think he'll probably end up with around 204, 205 innings, something like that. He's got maybe three starts nah, left. I think he barely clears two 200. If he's got two starts oh, left, then he, he would probably have, barely have to have a, it. If he has a seven inning start and a six inning start, that puts him over 200. But. I'm predicting six innings for each to start. So add 18 to that total. That's, oh, wait, no, you're right. That's 205. Yeah. So, I mean, he should, he should, and he, I think he'll get that 200 inning mark. And, I, and that, I think there is something like these days, like they're an inning eater and an eight, like if, like they're almost like two bare, two separate. Part of the role of being guys is being able to eat innings. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you look at the numbers, steel is 152 innings and 26 starts. So if we do the math, that's a little less than six innings to start, so that's solid. Strider's only gotten 162. Strider's gotten 162 in... 162 in 28 starts. So he's averaging just one out short of six innings. Yeah, I mean, that's... Well, what similar, I want to see is Gallon finishes out the year with two good starts. Uh, you, the D-backs beat Justin Steele tomorrow. They beat him, in, or, or like I mean, ideally you'd beat him in, you know, Wrigley tomorrow. Chase Field when they uh, the Cubs come to Arizona. Uh, that basically, if they if they can get, you know, basically light light up Justin Steele, which I'm not gonna you know 
say that's going to happen because he is a very. They're going to score more runs off Steele than they did Tyon today. That would be very funny to me. Well, I mean, you did predict it. Fortunately, uh, Zach Gallen decided to echo that, that. Yeah, I. You know, it's one of those things. Like I said, the worst. Thailand has not had a good a good year so yeah, far. But he's still um, got pretty good stuff. This is this is his best start of the year, and it's fortunate for him that he he lost. And they pulled him after six innings. His pitch count was in the seventies. Hmm. Yeah, that was pulled. that. They actually pulled him. That's weird. Not like Arms injury. On there. Just pulled him. And they made a comment at the time. Is like on the Snake Pit. It's like I think David Ross is gonna. Pull. I, first, I called him an idiot, and then I said he's gonna regret pulling. Then I sent a text to uh, Jesse and Jack that uh, I think Ross is gonna regret that move. Yeah, I, it's very baffling that they pulled him after. I mean, I mean, the Cubs have a very good back end of the bullpen. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I mean, I get uh, we're at the end of the season though, and like, I I mean, if the issue saving bolts for the rotation, how many times to the order has he been? Like, was it just two? He was, third, he was going through the third time through, time through the order, and uh, Tyon does not have time through the order splits. In fact, he actually gets uh, his Wobar weighted on base average actually improves time through the order. So first time three sixty six, I think second time's like three ten or something, and third time three forty. That's very odd that they pulled him. I wonder if there was an injury or something along along it didn't those look like lines. An injury. Because... Were, he was shaking hands and high fiving guys in the dugout after the sixth inning. Very weird then. That's and it wasn't high because... leverage pitches. He f- he had two guys reach against him twice. One guy reached twice. Yeah, this is absolutely baffling. I'm not sure. Like, I mean, I get. No, literally, David Ross said, uh, can't... I'm going to quote this, okay? This is. Yeah, it's out uh, there. Can you He's explain Jameson Taylor was pulled after six inning? Quote, unquote, he was done. Why was he done? Because I chose to take him out of the game. That's kind of my choice, right? Okay. Yeah, it was, Dave. Usually guys oh. with 77 pitches go a little longer. Okay. You know how I'd react if Tori did that with Zach Gallon? You know how the press would react if Tori did that to Zach Gallon? Just wait. It's like, you know Barry would go. Barry would be all over him for that. And he rightfully so. Yeah, that's a uh, very bad one by, by David Ross. Especially like that. That very much could cost them like losing against Arizona very may well cost them the postseason. Not the uh, post. It's going to be hard for them to lose a postseason spot, but it may have cost them the division. Yeah. I mean, if it's one thing, if he was laboring for six innings, that's one thing, but he allowed he, he was, two base runners, five yeah. innings apart. Yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm just baffled. I said, it's very was he afraid that, that his pitcher was going to suck after losing a no hit bid in the sixth? I think that's going to be the only, I mean. I know Tori's not afraid. I mean, yeah, Zach Gallen, no if that was, was a su- no-hit bid, it's like, they don't, Tori doesn't care. I was a little surprised that, that Tori uh, let Gallen go out for the ninth, but um, that proved to be right. I mean, first, I'm surprised that his first complete game shutout of his career. Like, that's very, uh, that's a surprise to me that he hasn't done that before. Yeah, it felt like it was the right decision to send out Gallon for the ninth. Like I said, uh, the Cubs never got past first base against Zach Gallon today. So even though he threw a lot of pitches, they weren't high stress pitches. Yeah, it was an ex- excellent start. From and there Gallen. weren't very many long at bats either because he ended up facing how many hitters? What? Uh, three. He only had 30? Three, three hits. So he, he faced yeah, he 30 faced, hitters. Yeah. Didn't have any, didn't have any walks. So yeah. No, he did. I think he did have a walk in the ninth mm. inning, or something like that. No, uh, we can double check that one. So that'd be easy to pull. I got it right here. All right, ninth inning. Somebody reached. I think he got the second batter reach. I don't know if it was a. It was a walk. Talkman walked with one out in the ninth. Oh, okay. So it was Nate pitch had... walk. I think it was the longest at bat he had all day. Yeah, so he had one walk, so he had four. Oh, oh and he hit, hit he he hit someone too. So he had uh, <laughs> he barely he barely he grazed third thirty one a jersey. He faced thirty. 30 he, faced thir- he faced thirty batters. He got a double. Pl- I think he got a double play. I'm not sure. Yeah, he did. He got a double play in the. One of his was yep. a race with the double play. 
So how are you how are you feeling about this uh, Gallon's Cy Young chances? And how do you feel about this team's All right, real so, chance of uh, making the, the wild card? So in the case of Gallon, I think he's back in the Cy Young Award race. That was a start he needed to get back in. And I'm going to let you talk. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, 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 he did exactly what we needed, he needed to do, put him in the, I mean, the only better way, better start to give you than that is, uh, you know, no hitter, a perfect game. So, complete game, shut out, absolutely what he needed to do. Um, I'm feeling a lot better about the, the team's playoff chances. I, I mean, we, we cut the Cubs lead in half if they can, uh, I mean, worst case scenario, they lose the next two games. Uh, you know, Sorry that's a walk. That editorial there. process and work. So you gotta be, you gotta be excited right now. Like, I mean, this is very much a roller coaster ride. So I want to check out the inside of... Dimebacks recap of this. Jack's gonna be publishing that in a bit. Yeah, I, I got a little bit of whiplash watching this team from going from "Oh my God, this season's over. It's terrible. Dimebacks suck. They're gonna always suck." To Woo, postseason. So, like I said, and when it comes to the war, when it comes to the Cy Young race, like Gallon's close enough that war factors in. If Steele has a bad start or two, then people remember people remember what you did recently. So if Gallon has two more, three more good starts, then uh, people remember that. Yeah, I think I think just having that, you know, if he if he does finish out the year with you know, two, three good, more good starts, quality starts minimum. If he can put up, you know, like, you know, a couple outings where he wins, only gives up a run, uh, goes at least six innings. Uh, I would say that he's very much put himself in the position to be, I don't necessarily front runner. This is a very, no one has really stood out so far. Yeah. I'm going mean, to add Snell to the thing real quick. Cause He's kind of fl- Snell's flying under the radar a little bit. Yeah, mm-hmm. Snell leads in. So Blake Snell obviously has a much stronger. Uh, Blake Snell has a pretty strong case as well. He's got. Yeah. Although Snell's obviously not eating it up as many innings per start as Steele and Strider and Gallon are. He's got 155 and 28 starts. So that's uh, seven fewer innings than Strider in comparison. I mean, he's still having an impressive season. I mean, even though the San Diego team has been very disappointing, uh, he leads the league in ERA. Uh, yeah, but when you uh, factor in ballpark, Steele is much higher in ERA plus, yeah. which I think will be a larger factor to the voters compared to uh, Blake Snell, who has an ERA plus of 164 versus 178 for Steele. Although, like I said, the D-backs can certainly put a dent in Steele's Cy Young Award uh, since his next two starts are likely to be projected against the D-backs game three tomorrow and then possibly the series opener at Chase Field on Friday unless the Cubs don't have an off day then they might just avoid him altogether and maybe I'll actually be able to see a uh, game next weekend that's my, my plan right now so I might be able to see this Cubs Dimebacks play at Chase uh, next weekend so that's my plan right now maybe I'll have something to share with y'all um, right, hopefully actually, like, I don't think I've seen the Diamondbacks win a game that I've been to in like over, over like since was the last game I went to, uh, last I game I went to was. was October. It was September, 2011. Wow. That long it's been ago. 10 years. Yeah. It's been a while. Just haven't had a chance to go up there. So, yeah. um, I'd like to go see them next weekend. That seems like so, the most, yeah. uh, likely time. So that's my my goal right now is to see uh, maybe I'll maybe even see it, them light up uh, Steel next weekend. So yeah, Steel's next scheduled start after assuming the Cubs stay with a five man. Well, if they they're not going to skip him, so Steel's next start will be Friday, September fifteenth. After tomorrow, so the D-backs will face Steel twice, so they do have a chance to uh, help their ace out and win the Cy Young Award. Although yeah, I'm I, not I, sure what they're going to do with I don't know, I'm not sure how the voters will handle Snell obviously I think he gets down I mean to some extent I think he is hurt by the rest of his team's performance and the fact you know like San Diego's been a non-starter this year in terms of competitiveness they basically have you know been not all that much better than the Rockies and I mean it's 
it's just one of those things where it's like I I I would much if all numbers are comparable, okay, like ERA roughly in the same ballpark, strikeouts in the roughly roughly the same area. Uh, I give it to the team that actually made the postseason. This is a Cy Young Award race, not the MVP award. I know, I know that, and I understand like it's supposed to be just like in a vacuum, but no one actually does that. Let's be real here. There is most members of the, the Baseball Writers Association aren't going like, oh, I'm going to look exclusively at the stats and not think about the team. And no, that's going to be a factor in it. I, I mean, I really do think that if it if, if that that's the only like you need a tiebreaker, you can't pick between. You, you pick the most competitive team. I think the narrative would be the tiebreaker. So, like, Zach Gallon throwing a complete game shutout in a key game that could decide postseason, that could decide postseason yeah. seizing, seating. Yeah, I think it does matter to some degree. But it's yeah, just I one mean, start out of 33. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't necessarily think that, like, Does Gallon you... get reward? I mean, like I said, the innings pitch also angle could also come into play because yeah. do, you, do you give Gallon points for throwing 20 more innings than the other guys? I would. Because Gallon's the only guy that's going to break 200. I mean, that's – I mean, if he's providing – I mean, if if what you're comparing – okay, so Justin Steele's not giving – he's not giving out – he's not putting up as much innings. Neither is Snell. Neither is Strider. And the difference between ERA and all the other stats are negligible, then, yeah, I mean, the fact that he went out today, took a whole bunch of pressure off the bullpen, throwing a clean game shutout yeah. – uh, Against well, a team that we're competing for in the wild card, like that's that's what you that's that's I think that is something you factor in the side. Yeah, I know it definitely was a factor for Brandon Webb in uh, 2007 as he barely lost the Cy Young Award race. I think it was one point to a guy that won the Triple Crown that season. Although Webb I, I obviously mean, had the better ERA plus, if you compare him to Randy. JP. Randy is a good Randy. Randy unfortunately got screwed by the you know pitcher older, win stat. Yeah, because he very much deserved that Cy Young. Was it 04? Did he not get it, or was it 03? You can ask Barry about that. I'm, if you wanted to, if you ever get a chance to talk to him. Although I think he'd tell you that Johnson should have won that Cy Young. Yeah, I would have given it to him over over uh, Roger Clemens. Clemens that year. Was it's Clemens even clean? Yeah, I don't think he. I don't. I don't think Roger Clemens was ever clean. Going back in the 1980s, longer than I've been alive, I think he was using steroids. Which is, you know, I can't prove it, but that's what I've heard. Before 2005, would, you can't prove it. Although it would be yeah. kind of obvious. I mean, he may, he may have. I mean, it, it is kind of a an interesting wrinkle that he happened to retire right when they started testing for that sort of thing. You know, so yeah, no, I I think that's like you know one of those things where it's like uh, that's less likely to happen where you give it to a guy because it's like you know the win stats or you know their team is more successful. Um, like that's less likely say, to happen. I don't much... think I don't think they're gonna get ran. I don't think Gallon's gonna get randied or Blake Snell might though. I mean, you can argue that Blake Snell shouldn't have won the 2018 Cy Young compared to uh, Justin Verlander. Uh, yeah, he should have. Very much should have. He had a much better year. Yeah, Verlander had a better year. I still think Verlander had the better year because you had to factor in the number of outs a pitcher gets, too. To some degree. Yeah, it wasn't like true. last year where Sandy Alcantara was the runaway Cy Young Award winner because he had the right stats and had 30 more innings than everyone else, and 20 more innings than everyone else. It wasn't like last year where it was a slam dunk. Yeah, there really, there really is no slam dunk uh, this this season unless like you know four out of the five guys in the race just decide to you know start shitting the bed the rest of the season <laughs> really like there's really no clear front runner right now seeing a bunch of articles out this morning saying there's no clear front runner for Cy Young and I agree with that I mean it's really like it's gonna come right down to the wire yeah that'll be a good question that'll be a good question to ask Jack if we ever get him on get him oh on yeah him. absolutely Corbin Carroll very much that race is decided rookie of the yeah. year we announced that race over like two weeks ago once McLean hit the IL, was over. It's still over. <laughs> Nothing's going to change that. Uh, and now the only question is the final counting numbers. And if Carroll can yeah, I don't, beat Webb's rookie record for baseball reference war. I I don't know if I would I would bet on that, but uh, I mean. There's probably a good chance. Right now. 
You got. There's be probably a good chance right that Carroll just broke the ten base running runs threshold. He made with three steals, and that would make him the first player in since the 2016 season to put up plus ten runs of base running value. You know who the last person to do it was? Goldie. No, I'm talking base Major League Baseball. Uh, I have no idea. Can't think of a speedster that stole a lot of bases in Billy 2016. Hamilton? Yeah, it was Billy Hamilton. He actually did it no. in back-to-back seasons in 15 and 16. Good... And Billy Hamilton. Carroll will be the first major league player to get plus 10 base running runs. In fact, uh, actually, AJ had plus 9 in 2015, which would be probably the club record until this season. And Carroll's at 9. But with three stolen bases, they might it might bump him up to 10. Well, he leads the league in triples, so. Yeah. I mean, Nine. that's not fair, Chase. I mean, Corbin Carroll should lead the league in triples almost every season. Yeah, no, absolutely. It, it, Chase Chase is the Chase. perfect environment for a guy like Corbin to rack up triples. Plus course field. Yeah. For and another six or general. seven games. Yeah, and, a, oh, and then uh, you got triples alley. Yeah. In San Francisco. I was just going to say, like, yeah, you couldn't ask for a better division for a guy to play in, and, like, just the overall environment for him is very much uh, – he should be regularly the triple leader, I would I would guess. If not one, then two, because we don't know what's like Ellie De La Cruz might lead the league in triples like a few years for a few years. He has years. a good year, yeah. Certainly. I mean there's guys like that who's you know, they'll Although usually if De La Cruz hits the ball that hard, the ballpark doesn't hold it. Yeah, that's that that dude smacks the shit out of the ball. Um Carroll doesn't have stack. quite that level of power and like natural lift to his swing, so maybe the natural yeah, lift, but that's, that's... the exit velocity is still the exit velocities are comparable. I've seen him go as yeah. high as 114. Well, Ellie De-, De La Cruz is closer. He's like my height, and Corbin is closer to your height. Like, that's really the difference. It's like he's naturally yeah. going to have more loft in his swing and just from the the, just the height difference. So, so yeah, just for a, a bit of reference, Wes is 6'7", and I'm 5'6". <laughs> Still trust me out, dude. I'm a, I'm a foot taller than you. Um, I know what else we can cover today. Um. I think that's pretty much it. So, yeah, game three tomorrow. Like I said, we talked about Steel a little bit. Uh, you predicting Jordan Lawler's first career homer off a of lefty? Mm, you know, that would be a nice way nice uh, way to do it off of a, a potential Cy Young candidate. Um, yeah, I, you know what? I'm going to say, yeah. I so, think he'll hit his first uh, career home run tomorrow. Not necessarily against Steel, but I think he uh, – Assuming he plays, um, which I think he would. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say first home run, uh, at the very least, first extra base hit. And then in the case and of Merrill. And first stolen base. Against, in the case of Merrill. No. Hmm? no, he hasn't. So, yeah, I'm going to predict first extra base hit and first stolen base. I don't know if the extra base hit will be a home run. Um, so, yeah, you talk about Merrill Kelly. Obviously, since they'll be in Chicago, we don't have to worry about cramping. Yeah, that's – uh. They're an outdoor you know, stadium. It's funny it's that it's like, it really, like I had mentioned that before, but I, it bears, it's, I, I, I find it validating that Merrill Kelly is like, yeah, it's hot as shit. That's why I was cramping. The AC sucks. But if you don't, if you're not the aware. The AC is not for the players. The AC is for yeah. the fans. I, I mean, if you're not aware, is Chase Field is not air conditioned solely by itself. It is, uh, that whole downtown is, uh, is it's like basically they share an air conditioning system essentially it's yep. not as uh, good as it used to be and it's been extremely hot and even for phoenix this summer so i get it gotta work on that hydration meryl i mean they're trying but the fact that he's had cram- his hand right leg is cramped up in each of his last three home starts i'm wondering if it's just the ball it's just the ballpark but fortunately based on the way it's setting up uh Kelly's next start will obviously be in City Field, so he's only going to pitch once in the next homestand. Well, I think I thought we'll. Uh, Actually, everyone's going to pitch once in the next homestand. They only have five games. But uh, yeah, depending on how it goes, uh, that last next start at Chase Field might be Kelly's last. And for me, I think Kelly's the guy you want to put if you start the series on the road as your game one starter. Yeah, I I, I can agree with that. I mean, I know uh, Gallon's the ace, got- but Gallon pitches better at home. Yeah, Gallon pitches better at Chase Field. I would I would start him if it's, if it's at home. If it's uh, on the road, I start with Kelly, then uh, Gallon in the next game. 
Who who is your game three starter at this point? Johnny Holstaff. If it's a game three. Who? Johnny Holstaff. You don't get the joke. Johnny Holstaff. Whole staff, like everyone that everyone except Kelly and Gallon. Oh, oh, you tell me ball, bullpen game, whoever. Do what you gotta do. Yeah. Pick a starter, ride him while he's hot, and then when he shows signs of uh shows signs of I mean Nelson Nelson actually is really looked good on uh yesterday. Uh, he looked okay. For compared to how he looked before he was sent down, he looked good. Uh you gotta I, look, I mean, you gotta all- analysis isn't isn't just the results like he gave uh, yeah well he wasn't lit up necessarily there were a lot of atom balls too oh i mean he yeah they very much made hard contact hard contact against him but uh not necessarily it, hard, it just, like I, the results hard. were the results were better than what we had seen you know a month ago there were so, I, I mean, think one or two fouls were knocked down by the wind but uh yeah the D-back, in the D-backs case obviously they hit three homers yesterday but they hit the those were hit by the wind in, into the those weren't hit into the wind necessarily well actually no that's not true wrigley they the were thing hit about hard, wrigley much harder is the wind is all over the place yeah like it's just the nature of the area it is in the buildings around it the lake it is one of the most like just like complex like the meteorological and topographical interaction between uh it, it's it's I think the only real, like, just in terms of how much weather can influence uh, the offense environment is maybe, like, uh, San Francisco? Really it? No. Or or uh, PNC? Uh, probably, but that's because it's also a Great Lakes yeah. site. I think the only reason so I, I, throw out, I throw out San Francisco is that... Pittsburgh's near a like, no. I disagree. When I uh, briefly lived in the Bay Area, uh, the strangest things about San Francisco is you can get on the subway and it's sunny out, okay? Like sunny, uncomfortably park. warm. By the time you get off the subway, it is foggy and raining. Yeah. It's like entering the twilight zone. Very weird. It's so, actually I mean, more it's, weird when it's sunny in San Francisco. Very much. Actually, I was there during one of the hottest uh, like if, summers up until if you're a if you're a fly ball pitcher, you're, that San Francisco is a good destination for you because it's cold, it's yeah. damp, and you're playing right on the ocean. The coldest winter I ever spent was a summer in San Francisco. <laughs> We've heard about that a million is. times if you're a Diamondbacks fan. I'm sorry. I just can't help myself. All right. So, like I said, San Francisco series is obviously a big one when they get to their next homestand, too. So. Yeah, they got they. Those are two must-win games, especially yeah. since we were moving ahead of them in the race. I don't you think they'll come. Put, I don't want to put the Giants down for good. Yeah, you want to. That team is notoriously stubborn. Yeah, that franchise is notoriously stubborn in any given year. I mean, they got weird, weird Giants postseason magic. I don't know. Well, the how Giants are five hundred, and they're going to play the Ro- Giants are down to five hundred, and they're going to play the Rockies today. They've lost six straight. Like we talked yeah, about the Diamondbacks you know, losing like that, you're a Giants games fan. to start August, but six-game losing streak in September is much more devastating. Yeah, that's that's just gonna kill any momentum. Actually, I'd say probably like, their their postseason chances are next to nothing right now. So, yeah, that's why you got since... you got you have to win those two games and because then, uh, it doesn't even need to be, it doesn't even need to be a conversation that like you know the you the know Marlin... what I'm saying. And then you look at the other two wild card contenders. The Marlins are playing at Philadelphia. The Phillies, or as I like to jokingly refer to them as, the Philadelphia Bryce Turners, they are 41 and 26 at Citizens Bank Park. So Philadelphia crushes teams at home. I guess yeah. uh, the D backs were one of the few lucky teams to win a series there. But then I say we, they caught them before Philadelphia figured things out. Yeah, the, the Phillies are going to be a dangerous team. Uh, in the playoffs, especially to play them, that they have home field advantage. That's why Philadelphia I, will only have home field advantage for the uh, division series. Yeah, that's that's it. So, I mean, that's I, we're looking good. Hopefully, uh, but they're five hundred. They're five hundred on the road. So, don't they, if they go five. So they can still win a series. Like I said, you go five hundred oh, yeah. on the road as the uh, road team, as the uh, team. 
you have 500 on the first two games that's you get home that's home field for the lower seed yeah i i mean that's i mean the, the dimebacks are in a good position we really want to see the marlins beat up philadelphia that would be the ideal yeah, not, we don't want to see the marlins beat up philadelphia we want to see philadelphia crush them because they're not catching up to Philly. That's a four and a half game. No, no, I'm I'm just saying I'd love to see difference. Uh, them at least like win that series just because it, it kind of kills a little bit of their momentum. Uh, if it's diamond, I mean I don't think we're gonna get that first wild card spot. There's really no way there unless the Phillies continue uh having like you know a continued. Philadelphia's gonna want to put distance between them and Chicago and Arizona. Yeah, in my opinion, so. Then you also have Cincinnati. Cincinnati pretty much has a cupcake schedule the rest of the way, so I think that's the bigger problem than Miami because Miami faces the Bra- uh, the Phillies and the Braves in back-to-back series. Yeah, I mean that's that's uh, the Marlins. The the Marlins are a team to kind of worry about a little bit. Phillies, not worried about them. I mean, Dimebacks are in a good position. Hopefully, uh, next episode we can uh, discuss a sweep or a series win. Ser- yeah, series win or sweep. No, well, we can't talk about a sweep till Sunday because it's a four-game series. But yeah, it's a four-game series. So and that's also a tough ask. Yeah, that is a tough ask for them to take the next few games. Um, I think they can do it. Uh, I'm still going to predict three or four. Right. So I think they'll probably. And I think I'll change my prediction from split to three or four. Because they've already guaranteed a split. Yeah. I mean, I, I was saying, uh, I don't know if I said three games or four games. If it's if I said three games, then I guess I'll have to go with a series sweep. I think they can do it. Um, so. Nothing to really change that. All right. So thanks, everyone, for watching tonight. Like Watching today, sorry. Tomorrow's game, 11-20. Merrill Kelly squares off against Justin Steele, two of the best National League pitchers going off. So naturally, we'll probably expect a high-scoring game. Yeah. So. So make sure. Let's, uh, let's, uh, I'm predicting a 13 to seven win. <laughs> I don't know if the D-backs are going to score 13 runs in a game. That isn't against the Rockies, but yeah, they did 11 the other day. So, yeah. Thanks for watching, people. Like, subscribe, hit that notification bell, leave a comment, tell us how you think they're going to do the rest of the series. Uh, what do you think of the wild card race? And what are Zach Allen's signings?